Well, good morning, Little Church. Wow, it's so awesome to see all of you. You all know about the time change. Um, wow, I'm like, yes. Um, so anyway, just want to welcome you all here, um, Little Church. If you've been here, if you're here for the first time, just really want to welcome you. Um, if you have any questions or anything, just let us know. We'd love to love to talk with you. For the next two weeks, this week and next week, we are going to be wrapping up our series that we've been having on wisdom. Next week, I'm especially looking forward to having Toby preach. Um, she, I love listening to her preach. She's so good at taking this scripture and just getting it in our hearts. I remember even last time when she spoke, it was um, seeing things in a story um, that I've just never seen before. So she's going to be doing that next week. What I'd like to do this week is shed some light on an area of our faith that often gets overlooked. And it's an area that I think is really key to keeping our faith strong, to growing our faith. And so we're going to look at that area today and that subject today. And I want to start out by telling you the very first verse I memorized as a Christian. This was back in 1986. I was 28 years old when I came to Christ. And you had little, um, these navigator cards and stuff you'd memorize scripture with. I don't know how many of you remember that. Um, so the very first verse that I memorized was, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all ways acknowledge him, and he will guide your paths. Anybody know what scripture that is? All right, got some other ones who've memorized that here. So if you take a look at that scripture, in fact, I've got a different version I'm going to put up there that Nan's going to put up on the, on, on the screen up there. One of the things to notice is, and one of the things that I did for sure all the way up until I became a Christian at 28 was I relied 100% on my own understanding. I mean, everything I did was about what I thought, how I felt, and if you were to ask people, and my sister's actually here, so she knows this, if you were to ask people what I was like before I became a Christian, I can tell you one word that they would use for me, selfish, selfish, because I was just all about myself. Um, I was really involved in the New Age movement, actually a Buddhist for a while, and just very much in trying to understand myself and get control of myself. And as, and as a result of that, it was all about me. Um, and then Christ came and just completely changed my mind, although I still struggle with keeping that focus off, off of me. Um, one of the things that, if you take a look at this passage, it, it, you see this as in do not rely on your own understanding. So it begs the question, what understanding are we to rely on? And in fact, if you look at that passage, there's four lines. Three of the lines all focus on where we should put our focus, which is where? On the Lord. All right. And so if you take a look at that, you see there's only one line that you get wrong there, which is if we rely on our own understanding. Instead, we're to rely on God's understanding. And that's really what I want to go through today is to understand, hopefully a little bit more, what it means if it's not our understanding, it's God's understanding. I mean, how do we do that? And so just a little picture of understanding within Scripture. The actual word to understand is something you see throughout Scripture. 
is something very, very important to God. In fact, in Isaiah 6, there's a judgment that Isaiah brings unto the people of Israel. And God gives the very first words that Isaiah is supposed to speak to the people is, you people, you hear, but you're really not understanding. You see, but you're not understanding. And he implores those people to come back to understanding who he is as God. And so you see that in Isaiah 6. And then that theme is something you see through the rest of the Old Testament. In fact, Jesus picks up and quotes Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. And he quotes it several times in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul quotes that. And in fact, there's a um, one passage in a key passage um, and parable in Matthew 13, which is a good soil parable. Jesus quotes that scripture there, and then he tells that good soil soil parable in 13 that a lot of you might know, where you have all the four different soils, and there's only one that ends up growing and producing fruit. And the difference with that one soil, all four of them heard, but the difference with that one soil that actually grew and flowered and produced fruit was that it understood, that it understood God's word. So as we think about this understanding, this idea of how do we understand God, a couple of things I want you to know, because understanding, as God talks about it, is very different than a lot of times we think of understanding. You know, like if you had a math problem, I've got to understand how to do that or not. With God, what's interesting is understanding is something that always resides in the heart. For God, that's when we understand him, that understanding takes place not really so much in our head, but it takes place in our heart. And understanding is also not just something we have. It is a gift that God gives us. And it also does not have to do with how much you know or you don't know about the Bible. How much we understand God really is not about a bunch of knowledge about the Bible, but what understanding is really focused on is our relationship with God and with Christ. And so understanding is really a relational term within Scripture. And we're going to spend the rest of our time really looking at that a little bit more. But what I'm going to ask you to do is something a little odd, especially for church, is I'm going to now ask you as we go through a passage that helps us to understand understanding, I do not want you to open your Bibles. I want you to keep your Bibles closed. If you're using your Bible on your phone, I want you to keep your phones closed. I'm going to do something different, which is I don't want you to open a scripture today. And part of, and the reason why I don't want you to do that is because I'm going to go through a passage in Corinthians and I want to let us just let it unfold to help us understand how we understand God. So I want to take a look at one line at a time. And at the end of all this, you can open up your scriptures. Okay, (laughs) open up your Bibles. All right. So we're going to take a look at um, we're going to take a look at first Corinthians. And again, keep your Bibles closed. This is I, I feel like this is like, you know, when you tell a kid with candy, don't eat it. You're all like, oh, well, we're supposed to open our Bibles. It's like, oh, hang in there, all right? Okay, so what I'm going to be looking at today is I'm going to be looking at passage in 1 Corinthians uh, in chapter 2. 
And just to give you a little context, what Paul has been talking about up to this point where we're going to be looking is he's talking and contrasting wisdom that comes from God versus wisdom of this world. And in fact, understanding is tied to wisdom. And there's three words that are often used together. You see wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in Scripture. You see those different tied, those tied together, and there's some nuances with the differences between those three. But we're going to really focus on what does God mean by understanding today. So, the very first line, so we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 2.11, and we're going to actually look at all the way through like 14 to 16. And so this is how it starts out. So, 1 Corinthians 2.11 The very first sentence says, For who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit within them? Him. Who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit within him? I can look at all of you right now. No, I don't know what you're thinking. Probably thank God I don't know what you're thinking. All right? We don't, no one knows what we're thinking. All right. No one can read our minds as much as maybe some movies talk about that. Only you know what you're thinking. But if you want someone else to know what you're thinking, what do you have to do? You have to tell them. Right. So the only way someone else is going to know what you're thinking is if you tell them. Same thing, which is why we're going to talk about with understanding why it's so difficult a lot of times to understand another person in a relationship is because we don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> and it's only what they share that we can then have a chance to understand what's going on inside of them. So already you can see understanding is very much tied to a relationship and something where you have to express yourself. You have to like talk about that. You have to talk about yourself to another person. Another person has to talk to you to be able to have that relationship. Well, then the next line says, okay, well, that's how it is with us. How is it with God? And look what it says on the next line. It says, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, the Spirit here is referring to the Holy Spirit. The three members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, just referred to as Spirit here. And here the Spirit is really the one, as we're going to see, that is what is responsible for sharing God's thoughts. All right, And that's one of the roles of what the Holy Spirit does. But... I want to say, like us, God, but it's really, we're like God. Okay, so just like us, and we're creating His image, image, God has His own thoughts, and guess what? We don't know what those are, do we? Unless, what? Unless He shares it with us. Okay? And so in the same way, we, God has to share those thoughts with us, And if he doesn't, we could never know him. I don't know if you ever thought about that before. But a lot of people will view God up there and say, God doesn't share anything. How can I have even a relationship with him unless he shares himself? Well, we have a God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We have a God who has chosen to say, I want all of you to know me. 
God wants all of us to know him. And so that's what he does. He says, I instead, I'm not going to just keep those thoughts to myself. I'm going to share them with us. And so we then get the next passage, which is, uh, which is um, verse, uh, verse 12. This is really where the bridge happens. If God did not do what we're looking at here, we would never have a chance to understand him. Because what we see here is that God has chosen to freely tell us about him, to share himself with us. So if you take a look, it says, verse 12, Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from God, which again is the Holy Spirit, so that we may understand what has freely been given to us by God. Well, what has freely been given to us ultimately is Christ and himself, But what it's referring to there and freely given to us is really the gospel of who Jesus is, which is ultimately what we have within the scriptures. All of scriptures is what God has freely given to us so we can know more about him. And you can see right there that he says he's done this. He's given this to us so we can know him so that we can understand him. But here's maybe a little bit of a surprising aspect of this, because it doesn't say, oh, well, God created us with this understanding built in, and then God shares himself with us, and we just get it. We just get him. We just understand it. What it says here is that even understanding is a gift that has to come from God. This is not just something that we can do on our own. And it says that the way that understanding comes to us is through the Holy Spirit. So not only has he given us this gift of understanding him, but he has done that through the Holy Spirit. This is how he goes about sharing himself with us. And so the question then is, okay, he's given us this gift. He's given us this gift of the Holy Spirit. How does that really work in practice? I mean, how do we really have this relationship with God where we're able to talk to him and he's able and he shares himself with us? And that through this, we're not just going, getting a bunch of knowledge about him, but we're getting him. I mean, have you ever had that in a relationship where it's like a person, you really want someone else, you're trying to share your thoughts with them and you want them to go, you just don't get me. I keep trying to tell you. And you're just like, you just don't get me. Have you ever had that? Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, that's what God wants. He wants us to, to not just go, oh, here's a bunch of facts about him. He wants us to really get him. He wants us to really understand him. And so this is how he goes about doing that. Is if you take a look at the next passage, verse 13. I want you to notice what ends up happening here, because this is what 13 says. It says, we also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. Did you hear a word in there a lot? Spirit, spiritual. Now, when Paul here, who is writing this, and is describing this and, and giving us about how to understand God, you'll notice in this passage, spirit 
And then he says explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. You see how I capitalized spirit up there? There's a reason for that. Because for the Apostle Paul, when he uses the word spiritual, it's not something that we in our world today generically talk about where people who don't even know God, who don't know Christ, who have other different ways of believing different things, and they say, I'm being spiritual. That is not what Paul means here. Whenever Paul uses the word spiritual, he's always talking about someone who is filled with the Spirit, someone who has the Spirit inside of them. That is someone who is spiritual. And I want you to now look at, because this is what's key to understanding, is to understand God, there is this intersection, interplay, and interaction between two things. There's the interaction, if you look up here, what I've underlined is there's the interaction between what God has told us, God speaking through scriptures, so that ultimately is God has spoken through these scriptures, so there's the idea that he has shared some type of content about who he is with us, so you have the intersection of both what God has shared with us through scripture But that alone is not enough to understand that, to really relate with God, to get God, to understand what he's saying and get who he is. That has to be combined with the spirit. And so both of those have to work together. Now, what's interesting is the spirit has already worked a long time ago for thousands of years. Because the way, the reason why we have scripture this way, the reason why we call these, these, this Bible God's word is because there's something different about it. What is different about it is how it came to be. And if you take a look at second Peter, he describes how we get this content of what we call the Bible today. He says, above all, you know, this no prophecy, which is really everything within scripture, No prophecy of scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the spirit. So the reason why these words exist that we have today is because God, it says in Hebrews, a long time ago, God spoke through the prophets And then he spoke through his son, Jesus. Then he spoke through the apostles. And he spoke to them, and they wrote those things down, and all of that was guided by the Holy Spirit. So that's how we get the words back then. Does that does that make sense? Okay, so we have the way, the reason why Scripture is what we call inspired is because the Spirit started by speaking through people to give us this. Now, here is where the problem is. A lot of us can stop right there. A lot of us can say, okay, here we have this. Now, I just read it, and it'll just I just get it. <laughs> I just understand it, all right, because he's given this to us. But there's, that's not really how, <laughs> what happens is because a lot of times you can read this, or people can read, well, there's just a bunch of words. It's not really impacting my heart. In fact, one thing that's sort of interesting, have many of you, have any of you seen the Jesus Revolution movie? It, it was, a, I finally went, I went to see it last week, and it was actually, um, really good for me because I did not grow up here in Laguna Beach. 
And so I've always sort of, I've been hearing, I hear the people who have around here, like Dale and different people. And I was never part of the Jesus movement, all right? And I became a Christian when I was 1986, and I was up in the Bay Area. And so I really want to go to this movie, to, I'm going to see this movie to sort of understand how did this Jesus movement with hippies and all that take place. And what was fascinating is that the movie really shows the clash between two sort of different groups of Christian movements, all right? One of them is represented by Chuck Smith, and I'm going to sort of, I'd say, take license here, talk about excess a little bit, okay? So I'm just going to sort of give broad strokes of generalizations here. So on one hand, you had Chuck Smith with his church, and if you looked at that in the movie, really it comes across that, okay, we've been given this Bible, we got it, just believe it, <laughs> all right? It's like God said it, just believe it. All right. And so, but the problem is when you just have that attitude alone and say, that's all you need. It's just a Bible. Just understand God, get it and start following them. What you see is it can come across very, um, I'd say sort of in this movement sort of called the conservative Christian movement to just again do broad strokes. But what ends up happening is you end up treating this as a book that has just a bunch of truths that you're supposed to extract and you're supposed to live by. Just live by it. The problem is when you do that, a lot of times, the scripture becomes just a bunch of truths you end up using to judge other people, doesn't it? All right? I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that. All right? Well, the Bible says that you should just believe it, whether you're a Christian or not. All right? And that somehow you're just supposed to get that and follow that. But there's no real life to that. In fact, I think Jesus in John 15 uh, John 5, he actually says a passage where he talks to the Pharisees who are treating the word, the scriptures like that, and just says, you're searching these scriptures, but you're not finding me. You're not finding a relationship with God. And so it has no real life. And you sort of see that in the movie a little bit. You see Chuck Smith, he's got this small little congregation, he's just up there preaching, and there's just no, you sort of get the feeling, there's just no life. All right. Then you have the other side. <laughs> You end up having Lonnie Frisbee, who is a hippie in the fullest sense, who ends up coming and meeting Chuck Smith. Well, he has already been converted to Christ. He already is a Christian, and he's not a Christian who's just sort of, okay, God said it, we're going to believe it. He is a Christian who is like, ex- you know, expressing it every single possible way you can imagine. He's a hippie. <laughs> He's got the long hair. He's got all of that. And he is, he is saying, our faith is so alive. We need to be just speaking it. We need to be declaring it. We need to be healing people. We need to be speaking in tongues. And he just has this completely different expression of Christianity that comes through Lonnie. And Lonnie meets Chuck. <laughs> it's just interesting watching how that, how that happens. And these two, as they first come together, it's like, oh, you know, you're, you know, Chuck looks at Lonnie like, oh my gosh. And Lonnie looks at Chuck and like, oh my gosh, we need to get this guy some life. All right. And you see this tension, but then Chuck comes around and he goes, wow, we need this in our church. And he starts inviting all of his hippie friends to the church. And I think what's really interesting to me was what ends up happening when he does, you end up having the very, you know, like the God said, I believe it. Folks, the, and the elders of the church, they I'll see all these hippies and they go, we're out of here. We can't do this. How can we do this? 
And so you just see them leave. And so you see these two movements in Christianity that both are very good. One's focusing on what does the Bible say. The other one's focusing on the movement of the Spirit. And a lot of times, though, these two stay at odds when, guess what? They really should be coming together because both of them are true. We both have the Word of God, but we also have the Spirit that's in us that is to give us life. And that's what you're seeing this passage here from in, in Corinthians. You're seeing that Paul's saying to really understand God, you need both this word. You need both my scriptures, but you also need to come alive with the spirit inside of you. Both of those together will bring that understanding. And so you see that connection here. So I want to describe to you how does that take place? How does it take place where both of these come together? Because a long time ago, God spoke to, through his spirit to people giving us this. But today, how does that work in us with the spirit and with the scriptures? And I want to illustrate that for you. So give me a little second to set up here. All right. Everyone see that good? <laughs> yeah, darkness. All right. So what we talked about is that understanding is something that is inside of us. It's something that even though scripture is outside, something I can read, we have a heart inside of us. And God says, it's through your heart that I want to bring that understanding to have this dynamic living relationship with Christ. And so what we start out with is before we know Christ, what we end up having is a heart that I'm going to just say looks like this. And the problem is not going to stay up like that. So we have a we have our heart. All right. This is what it would look like before I know Christ is it's like everybody else's heart. But in fact, it even says Paul just Paul says here um, in let me see if I can find it here. Yeah. in in the passage just after this, and I'll just read it, it says, but the person without the spirit does not receive what comes from God's spirit because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it and it is evaluated spiritually. So what's Paul saying is that if you don't have that spirit in you, if you have not made that decision for Christ, if you not place your faith in him, then you can read this and it just doesn't come to life for you. And so we have a heart that looks like this. But when we put our faith in Christ, immediately we are given a gift. Immediately when we put our faith in him, God says, I'm going to give you a gift. And that gift is his spirit that comes inside of our heart. So immediately we're given the spirit that comes inside our heart. And to show you what that would look like, there it is. Okay, you see how fast that is? I just go like this. <laughs> All right. And you know what? That really is how quickly if you're not a Christian and you don't have your faith in Christ, that's how quickly you can become a Christian. 
is by literally saying, Lord, forgive my sins. You died on the cross for me. And I want you to put my faith in you. And guess what? Instantly you have Christ through his spirit living in you. And that's what this looks like here. That's what that really Paul says, the Apostle Paul says, what a Christian really is, is someone who has the spirit of God living inside of them. And that is because we put our faith in Christ. He's given us that gift. But now here is. Here's what is a struggle at this point, because all of us who placed our faith in Christ now have the spirit. You see the spirit, right? Everyone see that? (laughs) Okay. There is a spirit inside of us. But we can have that spirit inside of us and we can really ignore it. We can really go just go, okay, you know, I'm just going to live my life as if that spirit, that very presence of God is not in me. But it's still in you. If you put your faith in Christ, the spirit's always there, never goes away, guaranteed. But I need to do something that helps me to bring that spirit alive in my life. To make it really the spirit that wants to illuminate our hearts. It wants to change our hearts. It wants to change our lives. But how does that work? Well, it works through this understanding that we're talking about. And so what you have is with the spirit, the spirit, like God, is light. All right. And in fact, here's the Holy Spirit. See that? You know, you wonder what the spirit looks like. There's a spirit. Now, what the spirit wants to do is the spirit wants to have light. It wants to shine on us. Do you see it? You don't see it, do you? It's on. Can't you guys see it? The Spirit wants to illuminate our heart. How does it do that? Because again, the passages that we saw before, it works and interacts with scriptures to illuminate our heart. How does that work? We don't see it, but as I'm reading the scriptures, what ends up happening is the spirit who lives inside of me begins to shine on me. And it begins to change my heart. In fact, do you see what's happening here? As I am reading, as I'm seeking God, as I'm worshiping God, as I'm praising God, As I'm doing that, the spirit comes alive and illuminates my heart. It impresses on me these words I'm reading in here. This, you know, in Hebrews where it said the living God, the the word of God is living and active. This is what ends up happening. As I let the spirit shine on my heart, those words get inside me. And this is what Jesus means when he says, abide in me and my words abide in you. Because as that happens, my heart starts to change. My heart starts to look more like the heart of Christ. In fact, Paul in this passage says, of, says, as we do this, we become more like the mind of Christ. And so you can see the change that happens. And all I had to do for that change to happen was to get, take that spirit that is in us 
and to start looking at the scriptures and go, let God, let Christ put my focus on him, worship him like we did this morning. And what ends up happening is he comes in and he changes our heart. This is what God does. It's it's something that is sometimes so simple, but something that sometimes we just go, how does this work? It works by both of these coming together. And what happens when this happens? I mean, how do you know when this is happening? Well, I want to read um, a passage for you. This is in both Romans and in John. The scripture talks about this interaction a lot as to how, what happens when we start understanding God. And so in Romans, here it says, it says in Romans, and this is also taken a little bit from Galatians, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead... You receive the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of his son, Christ, into our hearts, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. What's happening there is when both these come together, it's the spirits testifying with our spirit and it's illuminating our heart and changing us and changing our lives. And in First John it says, The Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know the one and the true one. We are in the true one, that is, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So I want you to look at that John passage Here's what happens when we're reading and in scripture and worshiping God. The spirit comes in to us as we do that. And it takes not just what we know in our head, but it takes that and presses that on our heart. So all of a sudden we get the experience that we know this is God talking to us. We know this is the God who loves us. We know that we're children of God. And one of the main things that God does when he does this is he gives us an assurance of who he is. And so just in a couple different ways here, we know he's the son of God. And we just list and there's, yep, go to the next one, Ann. So here's some different ways in which he impresses on us our heart. We also know in our heart with certainty, we know Jesus is the son of God. We know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. We know that we are saved and have eternal life. We know that God fully forgives us. We know what God says in his word is true. We know that we are children of God. We know that God loves every one of us, including you, including me, that he loves us unconditionally. This is what ends up happening with the interaction between Scripture and the spirit that lives in us is it gives us this assurance that we are those children of God. And it starts bringing us understanding of who God is to where it's like, wow, I really know who he is. And guess what? No one can see this really in you when this assurance happens. Okay, it's something that happens deep within your heart and the deepest areas because of the spirit that's been given to you. And if someone comes along and tries to say, well, prove it to me. Show me. Okay, that that's real. You, you can't show them this. It's in your heart. It's like if, if someone tries to say, well, prove that you love your wife, Michelle. 
I mean, like, show me that love inside of you. I'm going, I can't show it to you. It's not something available for anybody else to know and to see. But you and that relationship with me, with Michelle, I know how much I love her. I can talk about all I want, but you can't see that. I can't prove it. I like, can't you guys see how much I love her? All right. However, if I really have that relationship of love with her, just like if I really have that relationship where I'm in love, where loving God, what ends up happening is others start looking at our lives and they start seeing a change. So as God's impressing on my heart like this, you start seeing changes in your life. You start seeing that you're not doing the things and the sins that you used to do anymore. You see that you're worshiping God and putting your focus on him. You see that you're loving others. And so there is the evidence that that is happening. But do you notice what I've been having to do here? What ends up happening when I just let this stay by itself? Do you see that? The spirit is still in you, but you need to let that spirit illuminate. You need to let that spirit shine on you and change you. And that's what happens when you're worshiping God. That's why it says in Hebrews, put your focus on God. Read his word, pray, worship him. All those ways are the ways where the spirit then it's like illuminates us and we start changing our heart. But it's not something I can just do today and then say, well, let me wait a couple more days. Let me wait a couple more years. Yeah, I haven't read the, the Bible for a long time. You know, I don't know why. I know I, I'm, I know I'm Jesus is Lord of my heart, but I'm not really feeling, as people would say. Well, that feeling comes from worshiping him, from praying to him, from being in his word. It allows us to illuminate him. And here's the most important thing about all this is this is available to every single one of you. This is something that has been given as a gift to all of us. And it's something that if you feel like you're struggling with your faith, if you feel like I just I'm not growing anymore, I'm stagnant in my faith. These are the things you do. That when you do them, it might feel like, oh my gosh, I just, I, you have to work at it first. But you will see God honor that. And he will come into your heart and he will start illuminating your heart. He will start, you will start seeing that light shine on your heart. And so I want to close with going back to Proverbs. Because this is really what Proverbs is telling us. So if you take a look at the last passage in Proverbs, Proverbs in 3, 5 through 6, the last line in that passage says, in all your ways, well, a lot of translations say acknowledge him. That's how I memorize it. But the word is actually know. In all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. In other words, in every way you can, put your focus on Christ. And in fact, Paul says the same thing in the passage in chapter 2 that we've been looking at. What Paul says is, he says, I decided, it's a decision we have to make. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
You can see the passion of Paul and every chance he gets, he wants to see his heart illuminated by that spirit. And let's be honest, in our day and age, probably has always been this way, seems like it's more that way these days, it's really easy to just forget to do this. It's easy to forget to worship God. It's easy to forget to really be reading the word that he's given to us. So my application for this is really to just remember to do it, (laughs) okay? To remember that you've got to put yourself in a place where all through the day, worship him, sing songs, pray, read his scriptures. And I want to give you all a reminder to do that, all right? Because we do need that reminder. So I'm going to ask you now to open up your Bibles. You see the Bibles in front of you? I want you to open up those Bibles, and I want you to turn to page 50. (laughs) Okay? And so you can take one of these, all right? And guess what? Right now, you see, you can't see much, can you? But when you walk outside right now, you're going to be in the sun. And when the sun shines in your heart, just like the Son of God, you will see that change. All right? And so this is just a little reminder. This is my artistic capabilities, and that's about it. (laughs) Okay? Just as a gift to remind you to keep your focus on Christ in every possible way that you can. And when you do, you're going to see him bring that understanding that's going to illuminate your heart. And it's going to ultimately, it's going to change every aspect of your life as you do that. So let me ask you to stand. And as I pray... I want to just remind all of you, if you, if there's anybody here right now who has not made a decision for Christ, Corinthians that we've been reading says, today is the day of your salvation. Today is a day to know him. And so I'm going to just pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for just this gift that you have given, not just in your words, but you've given your very presence to live in us, Lord. And if there's anyone who does not know you, I pray right now, Lord, that they would just lift up their hearts to you and say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. And Father, I pray for all of us who know you. I pray, Lord, that that you will help us to remember, to know that we need to keep our focus on you. Like Paul says, I desire to know Jesus at all times and at all places, Lord. And we just thank you that you're a God who loves us, who has forgiven us, who sustains us, who grows us, who shines in our hearts, Lord, to change us. In your name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.